0: This this is Brock and Saul. Brock Eward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike, Mike
1: Presented by Carter Volkswagen and
0: Ballard on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's
1: like the puff didn't
0: at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Before I give you this list here, I want to first admit two things. One, it's silly season. Two. This is written by a troll. So I have to say those things before, just as a caveat to the next seven or eight minutes that we're going to do of radio here. But I still think it's an interesting and somewhat instructive conversation to have. So uh, Brock, hello. Hello. Oh, Brock can't hear me. That seems like a bit of a challenge. All right. Sorry about that. We're going to. Uh, hello. Oh, there we are. Hi. There we go. You got me now there, buddy. I got you. All now. right. So I did make the caveats that uh, this list is silly and it is somewhat written by a troll. Okay. So you okay. have to know that going in. But our old friend, perhaps you remember the name, Pete Prisco with CBS, mm. has written out the 100 best players in the NFL. Okay. Who is the first Seahawk on the list? I think it should be a pretty obvious answer, but maybe not. Who is the first top-ranked Seahawk on his top 100 list? This is Pete Prisco? Pete Prisco. But I think almost anybody who was doing this would have this Seahawk ranked at the top of the Seahawk list. Uh DK. DK Metcalf yeah. is the top-ranked Seahawk. What number? Is mm. DK Metcalf on this list? Mm. Mm. Is he in the top 10? Oh, no. No, okay. no, no, no. Is he in the top 20? No, no chance. All right, let me just tell you who number 20 is, just so that like, you have a sense as to where we're at. Number 10 on his list was Trent Williams, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Number 20, just to keep you kind of up to date on where we're at, was Stephon Diggs. Is he in the top 30? No. Nope. Number 30 is Derrick Henry. Is he in the top 40? No. Number 40 is Creed Humphrey. That one kind of hurts. Yeah,
1: that one does. Is he in the top 50? He's got to be getting close to 50.
0: Number 50 is Laramie Tunsil. DK Metcalf is number 55. Okay. He's one of only two Seahawks on this list, the other being Tariq Woolen, who was in the 80s. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with those numbers in general, but when you actually start looking through who's on the list and where they're at, it does start to sting a little bit. First of all, it means that the Seahawks don't have a player who is worthy of of starting, essentially, on any team in the league. or You know, is the best player on any team in the league. Um, and, and most teams have at least two players better than the Seahawks have anybody on their team. Number one is Patrick Mahomes. Not a surprise, right? Yep. Number two is Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson, Micah Parsons, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams. I didn't realize Trent Williams was that good, but okay, fine. Number, does that sound right?
1: Is Trent so Williams you're telling the me the 49ers 10? have two of the top 10 on the line of scrimmage?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. One, 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 one on the defense, one on the offense. Uh, and then your next 10 are, you know, TJ Watt, Tariq Hill. Chris Jones, Jalen Ramsey, Sauce Gardner is 15. Really? Like, I'm not telling you Sauce Gardner is not good. And, you know, maybe he deserved to win Rookie of the Year over Tariq Woolen. But he's 70 spots higher than Tariq Woolen. Does that sound right to you? Nope. That doesn't feel right to me, nope, but okay, nope. fine, whatever. Then you got really good players Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Lane Johnson, Patrick Sertain, the second, Stephon Diggs, right? I mean, Jair Alexander is that good? Jair Alexander's 21 while
1: Tariq Woolen is 85? Really? Do we. Do we get to play the disrespect card? I mean, I feel this? like we we're going to gonna have the to. Is, is, right. is the Goldilocks era consistent Sheesh. in the NFL with the Goldilocks? Doesn't it feel the that disrespect way? Card? Justin
0: Herbert, 22. Okay. 23 is Trevor Lawrence? What in the world has Trevor Lawrence done in the NFL? What? Yeah. And there's some other guys on here that are good. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Quentin Williams, Aaron Rodgers is 29, then Derek Henry, Jalen Hurts. I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm struggling to understand how all of those players are significantly better. Is CeeDee Lamb better than, than DK Metcalf? Is Joel Betonio better than DK Metcalf? Mm. Is Rashawn Slater better than DK Metcalf? Mark Andrews? Mm. Really? Mm. Mm. Mark Andrews is better than DK Metcalf? Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I'm I, I struggle with, and again, I, I I admitted at the beginning that this is a stupid list, and it's created by a guy no, that I, I would no, no, put in no, no, no. a this in the
1: troll category. Is, this is good news, but is this because war? I don't I don't think we've brought up Double P since like 2013, since the Russell, 14. right? Yeah, since the disrespect for Russell, which he never he, ne- he never gave him his due. I don't think he ever gave him his due, even when he was a six seven time Pro Bowler. So. Yeah, this is good news. Good news for our Seahawks in this Goldilocks era that we finally get to throw some arrows at Pete Prisco once again. Uh, Where was Gino? Honorable mention. Outside the top 100. How many honorable mentions for the Seahawks? Uh, you
0: know? A bunch of honorable mentions. Now, to be okay. fair, even though they had no one in the top 100, let me be clear, or were just the two, two in guys the in the top 100, they had a bunch of guys in um, in the uh, honorable mention category. So it was DK at 55, Tariq at 86. Honorable mentions included Bobby Wagner, Charles Cross, Geno Smith, Draymond Jones, and that was it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tyler Lockett's nowhere mentioned. Whoa, 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 Not mentioned whoa, whoa. once.
1: What are we doing here?
0: Right? What? But does, does that surprise you? Tyler Lockett? Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Really? Yeah. In the top 100? It doesn't surprise me that he is overlooked by Pete Prisco as being in the top 100. Not even honorable mention? Here's the thing, Brock. We, we could talk through this all we want. Here, here's the good news and the bad news. The bad news, there's two pieces of bad news, one piece of good news. The bad news is you really only have a couple of guys that weren't being mentioned in the top 100. And that's that's a challenge. While DK maybe needs to be higher than 55, I think it'd be hard for me to argue he should be above 40. And really what you're saying is you don't have anyone in the top 32. You're missing some of that high-end talent. Mm. Piece of good news, as you mentioned, Brock, you get to use things like this as motivation, that the world is sleeping on you, et cetera. And I think that's probably great. You also have a bunch of these sort of honorable mention type
1: guys, which is good, right? It means that you're... um... You're the Kraken. Right. You're You're you're, the Kraken. You're You're a bunch of second and third line guys. Yes. And you know what the beauty is? Quandre and Tyler and those guys, well, well, Quandre will feel severely disrespected. As he should. Tyler's had to fight this fight for a long time. Gino doesn't really care. I I mean, he'll add to the little chip on his shoulder, but he doesn't really... This isn't going to be his... He's not an... External motivator. No. I think he's intrinsically motivated, as are a bunch of them. The
0: only problem I have with this list, and it has nothing to do with where anybody on it is ranked, is that almost without fail, every Seahawk we're talking about here is a skill position player. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm sorry, you, you nailed it right off the bat, Brock, when you said, hold on a minute, the Niners have two of the top ten, and they're both on the edge up front? mean. When you're talking about Bosa and Williams versus DK and Woolen, you're playing a different game. You're you're playing the, the, the speed game on the outside, which I'm not saying doesn't have value in today's NFL. It does, but big people still make the world move in this league, and you barely have anybody who's in that conversation.
1: Yep. I mean, Dre Jones is honorable mention. Charles Cross, honorable mention. Good news is they're young. They should be coming both into their absolute prime. I think Abe Lucas is vastly underrated. And then Derek Hall and Daryl Taylor and a bunch of those edge guys got to come to life. Got to come to You
0: better hope life. so, man. That, that is as much as I love what this team is doing. And again, I wrote about the Goldilocks thing and how much I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. I can't shake the fact that a lot of what they've done, a lot of what we're excited about is on the outside instead of up front and that is going to be a severe challenge for me. All right, Big Friday plan. Joe Fan will be with us in 20 minutes right after everything you need to know next. Brock, I think we found somebody snarkier than me and more inappropriate. It's coming up on Brock and Salk.
2: Need to know. 15
1: minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to
2: know. Up first.
0: Well, of course, the Mariners were off yesterday, but unlike last week, Brock, when that off, off day was basically an opportunity to panic, take stock of what's going wrong in the world, et cetera, they played much better baseball over the last week or so. It all started with a better, simpler approach up front, Jerry Depoto explains.
2: Rather than messaging through a channel of people, I think Scotts just took it and said, hey, let's just hit the ball back through the middle,
1: line drives back through the middle. And. You know, and, and we'll see how long that message carries before it needs to be repackaged again, because it, it will. That's just how baseball works.
0: That's exactly how this game does seem to operate. And, you know, I think overall, Brock mostly reasoned for hope and excitement over the last week. At least they played better. At least they had a better approach. And they can keep this going.
2: We have the personnel to, to do the things that we've done over the last week or that we, you know, forecast for this team to do over a long season. And over 162 games, that does tend to bear out. It's just bearing out in the in in a way that we would prefer it not. We'd like it to be more balanced instead of you know I guess condensed in small spaces. But uh, you know we've got a lot of season left, and hopefully we can make that happen.
1: Yes and no, I, I would tend to agree with big chunks of that, but I, there is still bats that that have to be added. There, there still has to be some difference makers added to it. Because there is still an A.J. Pollock and a Colton Wong and a Dylan Moore that's finding his footing and a whole bunch of guys mm-hmm. that just aren't, you know, that aren't aren't playing to their baseball cards, as we have said, I don't know, once, if not 67 I, think, times, I don't think 50. he's saying that part isn't the case. I think he's just saying that for he's a lot of if Suarez and Teo right. and Julio, if they can collectively do it and. Yes, there were some more crooked numbers. It was great to see some uh, a winning series against a, a winning ball club in Miami, but the top of the lineup now has got to match with the bottom of the lineup. That series was largely the bottom of the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was Suarez, and it was Ford, and it was Caballero. Now, come on, top of the lineup, just, just those two, please. Peanut butter and jelly. Just put them both together. Get the whole length of the lineup going. Get especially against these White Sox before you go on a brutal road trip. Now is the time. Here's the second thing
2: you need to know. I said
0: we found somebody uh, with just a little extra snark, Brock, and it's pretty disgusting. Uh, I have some comments here from Rob Manfred on what's gone down. It seems like uh, Vegas has now, or Nevada rather, has now voted uh, yes on the stadium deal to move the A's to and build a ballpark in Vegas. Now as the owners, they are the last chance that Oakland would have in order to save their team. And based on the comments from the commissioner, it sure isn't going to happen. You know, I, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think that the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer. So basically what he's saying is it's your fault. I think the real question here isn't whether or not John Fisher ran this team terribly for as long as he did. It's what is Oakland willing to do for Major League Baseball? Well, they did try the reverse boycott, and they had 27,000 people show up. His thoughts? I did. You know, I mean, it it was great. Uh, It's great to see what is this year, you know. Almost an average Major League Baseball crowd oh, in the facility dude. for one night. That's a great thing. I mean, that so, is rough. You want one more, so, just for good measure? Hey, what would you say to all of those A's fans who are losing their team? I hope that they stay baseball fans, whatever team they decide to affiliate with. Um, again, you know, I'll say it again. Uh, the
1: I don't even know how to how to you know. continue. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the fans. You know what he's saying. It was it was the community. It was the leadership there. You know, in Nevada, you've got the governor, the governor of Alabama or of Alabama, the governor of Nevada has weighed in and said, "Yep, co-sign. Let's do it. Let's roll." It, it, their counties laying out three hundred and fifty million in in taxes and tax cuts and everything else to to have them. It, you know, in the business world, it's all just cut and dry, cold blooded business. Talk about Bill Belichick and cold blooded business. Cold blooded business. This is better for that owner, and that owner still has ownership and still gets to decide and it's a better business deal for him and Manfred. Well, he's the one uh taking all those <sighs> arrows probably. He, he was the one shooting not. them yesterday. Right. Too.
0: He's not taking arrows. He's like running around with a giant orange suit saying hit me over and over again. More arrows here, please and just I don't know, soliciting them. It seems very unnecessary.
2: Here's the third thing
0: you need to know. You can grow out the rough. You can speed up the greens. But if the wind is calm and the pins aren't tucked, good luck because the pros are just going to eat your lunch. And we saw yesterday after hearing all about how tough L.A. Country Club was going to be. We got the exact opposite yesterday. Uh, Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both broke single round U.S. Open records with eight under 62s. Plenty of other big names in contention, including Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, all in the top ten.
1: Did that bother you? Yeah, a little bit. You, you wanted to, you wanted to see it somehow a little bit tougher.
0: Uh, yeah, and I mean, hopefully they can make it tougher today with oh, the they'll pins. They'll move
1: those pins around and they'll back the par three up to two hundred and seventy yards. And it was and...
0: tough if you miss the if you miss the fairway, but it wasn't tough enough for those guys.
1: No, They're it was so not. good. How does Rory McIlroy hit a four-iron 254 yards? I was watching that live. I was like, this is not... I mean, honestly, take a billion humans and give them a four-iron. And here you go. And you're going to take this four-iron, and you're going to hit this little white ball, and you're going to put it within five feet of that flag. You're going to hit it 250 yards.
0: Yeah. How many humans can do that? I'm trying to think about it. So I've hit a four-hybrid, like 220.
1: Four-hybrid. Okay. Not a... Not a what, bladed for iron.
0: No, I get it. Very I mean, that's, that's obviously harder to do. Yes. I, it's, it seems hard, but not as hard as, I don't know. It yeah. seems like a lot of other pros could do that.
1: No? Well, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Really? Yeah.
0: In the right conditions?
1: May, yeah, Maybe. Maybe, the right ball that, that's two hundred and fifty
0: four yards a little bit a little fart. bit of a little bit of wind a little <laughs> downslope all of those things take them into account uh, that is good. everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and sulk show. yeah I mean l a country Club was beautiful yesterday. It really is cool looking in terms mm-hmm. of a like it doesn't necessarily look like every u s open course, but it's a nice looking course it's fun. i mean it's it's interesting. But I was pretty disappointed to see two guys break records on the same day. I mean, like, I don't know. Aren't you sort of hoping? I don't need the score to be around par. But for the week, I'd like it to be no more than 10 under.
1: You know, uh, Justin knows Libby. Rob Rob knows mm-hmm. Fall City. I know P-Town. You know L.A. You I went to do. school down in L.A. I did. So tell me how you think all of those L.A. Country Club members who for the whole, I, know. I don't know, the last year were so proud of their course and how brutally hard it was going to be made and how you're going to put some respect on our name and all of those just hoity-toity members right down there. Right. How do you think they felt watching that debacle? We're watching you.
0: guys shoot in the low 60s. These on their course, they're just like, wait, what? How
1: do you think they're, that personality? Down I in mean, so not Cal even just that, that,
0: not even just the embarrassment <laughs> of having your course torched like that. But how about like, just oh my god, I play that course every day, and I yes. generally hope to shoot better than eighty-five. Yeah. And these guys just came in there and bested that in the worst of conditions.
1: Do you think they're humble? Twenty shots. Do you think there's a humble pine? Well,
0: I think humility and <laughs> LA definitely go hand in hand. Um, I would say you usually like to use those two words together as. as much. Much as possible. All right. Well, from LA, we'll go three and a half hours across the desert to Vegas. Talk to our buddy Joe Fan next. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710. Seattlesports.com. This is Brock and Salt. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10.
2: On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
0: Let's get right to our friend Joe Fan. Joe, uh, of course, you can read Joe at seattlesports.com and find him on Twitter at Joe underscore Fan. Uh, you were there, Joe. You got to see the cup given out. What was that moment like in Vegas this week?
2: It's really cool. You know, there's something so obviously a Super Bowl is such a big event, but it's one of the neutral site, And so the ability to see a championship won at a home venue. Uh, certainly gets you thinking about all the warm and fuzzies and, and what it would be like, you know, certainly being there as, you know, I, I've lived in Vegas, you know, almost two years now, I would certainly tell you I would prefer the Kraken to win, but the reality is I've never been to a you know, the new arena in Seattle and the Kraken games I've been to have been down here in Vegas. So, yeah, it was really cool to see all my friends fired up, see the city fired up, see the city flood with people, uh, you know, celebrating. I mean, and it, it was, a scene, and it was just really, really cool to have it done at home. Um, and and certainly, my what? thought was, "Gosh, I can't even imagine watching the Mariners win a mm. World Series at T-Mobile Park." I mean, it just would be pure chaos and elation and all that. But uh, it was a lot of fun. What was, was the strip
0: there? like afterwards?
2: It was well. So there's a plaza right outside the arena, and where our seats were, when we went out to the concourse. You could see the plaza, and it was just a sea of people watching the game outside and it was nuts man and it's cool it's a good reminder of, of how much sports mean to community and um you know it's a big deal around here so it was a lot of fun yeah we'll get to the a's here
1: in a second sulk so fire a few things uh, your way i think with them but i am just curious you've bounced around a few different markets joe covering teams and and now you find yourself down in the desert how would you characterize the vegas sports market from the others that you've lived in and covered
2: Um, It's a good question. I sort of think of the Knights, the way, um, you know, the the Nashville Predators were sort of embraced in the early 2010s. And now they they really owned that market. I think still own that market, you know, even with the Titans there. Um, And then uh, I would say that uh, the Bay Area is just sort of a goofy one because it's such a big area. You know, there's you have San Jose, which is a completely different sports market than San Francisco, which is a completely different market than Oakland, the East Bay. And then they all sort of support the Niners. Now the Raiders are gone and uh, the A's are moving. And so uh, I think various sports fans are, are great sports fans, but it's just such a spaced out area. It's not as concentrated. That yeah, I don't know. It's sort of goofy. So I would say you know, going to a, a Vegas Golden Knights game or a Nashville Predators game, I think is as good of experience as you can have as a visiting sports fan coming to hang out and certainly having Broadway and then the Vegas Strip right outside, you know, certainly amplifies that. But but I would say those two are on par.
0: Why are the A's leaving Oakland?
2: Man, I, I can't understand any of this. You know, I, to me, it's it's such a he said, she said. Obviously, Rob Manfred's comments Uh, on Thursday to me were just childish, immature, uh, downright disrespectful of a fan base that supported Major League Baseball for so long Um, and to take all of the um, for lack of a better term ownership away from Fisher uh, is just shameful to me because I think I would point at Rob Manfred and say it's your fault for letting them stay in that building the Oakland Coliseum for as long as they have because it's been an absolute dumpster For a decade now, there's no reason why Major League Baseball should have been allowed to play there. So so hold on, let me jump
0: in and and, and understand, please, that I totally agree with you. I think it's shameful that Oakland is, is allowing this to happen or that the baseball is allowing this to happen. And I thought what Manfred said yesterday, tone deaf doesn't even describe it. I thought it was flat out obnoxious. It was it was antagonistic, quite frankly. But if he was here, if he was sitting here and he heard you say it's shameful that Major League Baseball let them stay in that in that building as long as they did, he would say, hold on a second. In every other market, the municipality has in some way stepped up to help build what's there. And that doesn't mean they've got to fund 100 percent of it. But in the other 29 markets, there's some sort of a public-private partnership. And he would argue that the Oakland, the city of Oakland, was unwilling or unable to come up with the funds to actually make that building good enough or that site good enough or, or another proposal, that it's not just on the owner.
2: It's not just on the owner, but Oakland would tell you when they released, they released a statement yesterday that there were efforts made. There was, uh, you know, I don't think Fisher wanted the team there. So I don't know if there was even a listening ear to keeping the team in Oakland. So, um, you know, whether it's as much as the 29 markets um, who knows, I don't know the degree in which they were willing to offer and pony up, but it wasn't zero. And there were conversations. Mm -hmm. I spent five years living in the Bay area, hearing all about them and seeing the new uh, mockups for the new ballpark in different areas and, and what have you. And so this has been a long, drawn-out saga that has always had an inevitable ending and conclusion of them leaving Oakland. And um, I, I think it, I think ultimately, to, to make your, to have the most simplified answer to your question, why are they moving? Because Fisher wants them to, and has always wanted them to. It's
1: a good answer. Leverage. They're moving because of leverage. Yep. And he had the leverage. And, and I and totally agree with
2: all that. By the one way. with
1: the leverage usually wins. Tell me what you took away from Jerry Depoto yesterday with us.
2: Oh, God, I just think, like, what else do you say at this point? You know, oh. it just feels like they are what they are. They're this team that's in neutral. And, you know, certainly those first two games against the Marlins, I think were as good as they looked all year. Um, and then they fall flat in game three when they have a chance to sweep with team. It's played really good baseball this year. Julio had that couple-week stretch where he was really impressive. Now he's sort of falling flat again. It's really good to see Teo and, and Ty France taking the baseball again. Um, you know, I, I think he's saying all the right things, in my opinion. I just don't know what else there really is to say. I just like I Is this just a 500 starter.
1: team? I mean, Joe, is this just right now as it's constituted, with, it, with its personnel and its 25-man roster today, is this just a team that is going to sit for the next three, four weeks and be a 500 team when it comes to having to make decisions at the end of July?
2: I think so. Maybe a shade above, you know, it, I think anything expecting anything otherwise is, is sort of just blind faith. You know, the bats might get really hot. Um, and so, you know, maybe they, they get five, six games above 500. But to me, there's just too much talent around Major League Baseball. The schedule is too tough coming up to where, you know, I, I just can't bank on. I can't say I can't tell you. No, 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 no. This team's going to be six, seven games above five hundred come deadline time, and then, then they're gonna have a real decision to make. No, I think this is they kind of are who they are, and they've shown us that for what, almost three months now.
0: So you don't put a lot of stock in the change in approach, going back up the middle, better at bats over the last week or so. That doesn't that doesn't sway you in any way.
2: No. I mean it was good to see for two days against the Marlins, but then they got shut out in game three. So um, you know, it's just kind of this back and forth of winning a series two one, losing a series you know, one or two, and that's a 500 baseball team. I mean, they're the definition stoker right now. So, um, yeah, it's kind of who I think they are. I would love to be proven wrong, but but I, I can't just go, you know, buy into well I change their approach. Why did it take three months for them to change their approach? I don't know. I'm sort of skeptical.
1: Okay, shifting gears, final gears. Let's get to a little bit of the off season with the Seahawks. The hay is totally in the barn. The veterans stuck around an extra week. A lot of them did from a voluntary standpoint to work a quote-unquote passing game camp with the younger players. Uh, The hay is in the barn. If you have to write a a headline for their offseason now, what would it be?
2: Uh, I would say Seahawks, a popular dark horse for the Super Bowl. I mean, it just feels like everybody's talking about them, what they're capable of. There's a lot of buy-in to Geno. Um, there's a lot of buy into the rookie class, a lot of buy into what this offense can be. And you know, I-, I think it's that's that's where we're at right now. There are real expect last year was fun. They played at house money. They were sort of this, this playout came out of nowhere and what was supposed to be a rebuilding year and and how fun is that? because you know when you don't have to play with expectations, there's a freedom to that. And I, I wonder if that sort of played a part in the Mariners, where. You know, you walk in and, and your stated expectation is, hey, we're going to go win it all. And they wrote on the whiteboard and released the video and whatever. There's a difference when you're trying to perform as a favorite compared to um, an underdog. And so I'm really curious how they handle that. To me, that's when Pete and John and the culture of the Seahawks really comes into play um, because they've been there before and then they're going to go to work the same way. But, um, there's no there's no sneaking up on anybody if you're the Seahawks this year. I don't think so at all. Uh, I think this is a team that's expected to be a uh, force in the NFC, especially given how bad the NFC is, comparatively speaking, uh, to the other conference.
0: How concerned are you that m- the large percentage of their talent is on the edge as opposed to up front?
2: Um, moderately, because we have had the conversation year after year, it seems, of, of not being able to stop the run. Um and, and I think that's the one area of this team that will get no um, patience or benefit of the doubt if things go uh, start out of the you know, slowly out of the gate in weeks one, two, and three, and maybe throughout September. Um, you know, if they're if they're losing games because they can't stop the run, you know, there's going to be some panic, sort of the same way. You know, the Mariners are towards the bottom of the league in all the hitting categories they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's just sort of how it works, given the history of where things have been and, and what the, the moves during the offseason have been made accordingly. It's not a lot of time was spent in the middle of the defensive line. And so everyone sort of has that anticipation of, well, we all kind of see this coming, so hopefully we're all wrong. And, and John and, and Pete have got it right to where they've done everything they need to do. But that would be the area where, Um, yeah, there's, there's no patience going to be given from the fan base.
1: Yeah. I would challenge that just a little bit, Joe, in in the analogy to the Mariners, because the second best free agent on the D line, if we're talking like top free agents and going and paying free agents and going and spending, they went and got, unfortunately it was, you know, Dre Jones, not a nose tackle, but you know, he was, it was, it was Hargraves and him and, and he's an interior defensive lineman and they went out and spent. Now, we can argue maybe about their second round pick, and that will certainly be in the crosshairs. Should they have gone, you know, instead of Derek Hall, should they have gone with a big guy or, or, you know, even with the second running back, Charbonnet, should they have reached and, and taken another big defensive lineman? But as far as being analogous to the Mariners there and, hey, they just didn't spend, They, I think the Seahawks would argue, no, we did spend, and we spent in the first wave on a defensive lineman more than we t- typically and traditionally do.
2: Sure. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And, um, I, I think again with football, the, the, the big difference is, you know, there's just so much, uh, there's such a necessity for depth and, yes. uh, you know, the, the yeah. season ends up being such a war of attrition with, with guys getting banged up throughout the year. And so, yeah, hopefully Draymond Jones able it, it, to stay healthy and be a productive interior guy. They're hoping he will be, um, is there enough there in the cupboard? We'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, I think beyond that sort of skepticism, this team is set up to be really good, and they're in a conference to where the competition is much more moderate than it has been in years past, uh, even in, in the heyday in the mid-2010s. Um, they are they are prime for uh, being a factor all the way to the very end. Are you rooting for Russ this year? Um, I am, yeah. I, I would like to see him bounce back. I don't want the end of his story to be – the trade and all the turmoil that went down in Seattle um, the final two to three years. And, um, you know, that was right when I was covering the team and, and you sort of get caught up in it of like, you're just sort of reporting what you hear and what you see and what's taking place. And you, it's, it becomes this toxic, Russell Wilson's never getting traded. You're a moron. Or absolutely, they need to trade him right now. And it all became just so toxic. And then he finally gets moved. And the whole last year was was pretty toxic. And some of it justifiably so, some of it not. Um, I don't want his story to end on what was really an abysmal year, an embarrassing year for him. He was terrible, um, looked incompetent much of the time. And so, I, yeah, I hope his story's not over yet.
0: I have to think about this one because, while I kind of want, while I want to agree with you. Like, yeah, that's what I should do. It's hard to just start rooting again. Do you know what I mean? Like, after a year spent last year rooting well, against them well, and, and rooting for be, the
1: draft pick and let, all that. I mean, let's be clear, though. Let's be very, let's be transparent. with turn Joe. that around. Let's be transparent with Joe. You broke bread with Doug Baldwin too. Okay? That I think that plays. You meant you meant at that bridge. See, you now I too. can't. Doug Correct. said he was rooting for Russ. Did
0: Doug he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know why you would lie to me. Doug Doug said he was rooting for Russ this Good. year, so Bigger man. I don't know. Yeah. We're all rooting for Joe Fan as always. Joe, thanks buddy. We appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Guys, thank you. Appreciate you. All right, there you go. There is Joe Fan who joins us every week and reads him at SeattleSports dot com, and of course, at uh, you can find him at Joe underscore
1: Fan. I knew that, by the way. I knew when I threw that into my little Blue eighty eight thoughts from last night. I just threw that little that that would be one that you're going to have to chew on a little bit. Mm. That I, I have a feeling, not maybe in depth today on yeah. this Friday. We'll, we'll talk
0: more about it, I think. Uh-huh. I, I, I will be thinking about that just yep. as I will be. I don't know whether you, I just, I didn't want to continue to talk about it because right. I didn't want to get back into where I was yesterday. Yep. Joe, right there, that's why That's why Wednesday night pissed me off so much. Yep. Yep. His view on Wednesday night is why right. I was so mad. They absolutely did not go back into a shell on
1: Wednesday and play terribly. Well, the, the first four hitters, unfortunately. I hit Brock, two Brock, I watched the game. I know. So did I watched I, the game. So did a lot of other people. But, like, that's why
0: I was mad about it. Yes. Because the numbers did not bear out how they played in that game. Right. The results did not bear out the approach or any of the positive things that happened. And... You know, I get it. Like, when you're struggling, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. That's why I'm not going to argue with Joe about it, because he's not wrong.
1: Is that why you're doing the Stevie Wonder thing with your head? Yeah, because I know that Uh there's no upside
0: in talking about it, but it pissed me off, man. And that's why I was so (laughs) angry the other night. It's time for Blue 88.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is Rock and Blue 88!
1: Blue 88!
2: We take you to the field as Brock Hewitt breaks down three football questions as only he can.
1: Now here's your hosts, Brock Hewitt and Mike Saul.
2: There is
0: superstition (laughs) right in on the wall. All right. Question number one for you, Brock. Seahawks drafted running backs in the second round each of the last two years. Good
1: move, bad move. There's a a case to be made for both. The good move is it would say you get them in their absolute prime. But the tread on those tires, I don't know, they're like tread on a a certain tank. You know, they're just going to wear in a heavy vehicle. They're going to wear thin very quickly, and you want their very, very best in the first four or five years. And there's enough evidence of enough running backs over the last few decades. That's a point to that. That would be the case for. The case against is why in the world would you ever spend that capital when you can get Dalvin Cook and all of that production on the free agent market right now or Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette or a bevy of running backs that right now are just not valued. And um, gosh, I'm blanking on the name of a great writer that just left the NFL Network, and he wrote a pretty scathing piece on just the the marketplace. Jim Uh, Trotter? There you go, Jim Trotter. On what it's done to these running backs and how unfair. Well, good poll. Thanks, oh, buddy. Great, actually, great. Pull. Thank you. Yes, and, and and it was a bit telling. And if you're in the running back union, which you're not, because you're in the players union, but if you're in the running back union, you're trying to like, what, what are we going to do, boys? How are we going to turn this? How are we going to turn this market? And is it at all possible, or is this just the unfortunate? reality life that we're going to live playing this position that we are going to get devalued and never get the money that the receivers the dbs those players out on the edges are going to get
0: i think unfortunately they may very well be in that spot question number two we haven't really talked at all about tom brady as a owner of some you know minority owner of the vegas raiders yes he says he's gonna be a passive. like what is what is gonna happen
1: there do you he say it's gonna be silent he's gonna be a silent partner. he's a silent partner you ever done deals with silent partners by the way no so, some people listening right now are actually, I, have. I shouldn't i shouldn't say that yes i have uh-huh. one one deal was it good for that silent partner i think so yeah so they far. just they just threw the cash in yeah <laughs> and actually and they, that's exactly yes? what's happened yes uh-huh and just see some of the passive income no i'm serious all. yes, yes. Yeah, I know. I'm serious too that oh, okay. there's people listening right now that have been in different businesses with these quote-unquote silent partners and and why, wow, that's not nothing. That return on investment's nothing silent for them. That's a really good deal. Right? And it was a really good deal for them. I, I think it's a, a neat deal for Tom. I do wonder if this is some of why he has been haggling about getting into the broadcast booth, like trying to figure out what I want to do. A little bit like Peyton Manning has done over the course of his career and yeah, because Peyton was done earlier I think Tom has looked at Peyton and I think that's a pretty good blueprint for oh, uh, again how you operate business how you own your own media company your own rights how you yeah. how you seem to somehow successfully leverage that situation Would it surprise you if Peyton
0: said that to him? If Tom went to Peyton not at and they, all. they have a friendship and said all right what's all. the
1: what's the key here and Peyton said own it. Yep. Don't work for it, own that's it. That's exactly right. 100%. And I will say this one of the cool moments of Peyton's a Hall of Fame induction years ago, and I was in Canton last weekend, and I was on that field, and they keep, like, the the infrastructure of the stage set up in mm-hmm. the stadium. It's, it's pretty neat, and I was sitting there thinking back to that day and that night and sitting with a lot of my old teammates, which were awesome. Hadn't seen some in years, and then all of a sudden, like, in, right as the induction's getting ready to get going, the whole place just turned around. Like, the Pope walked in, or... Jesus walked in of Nazareth. Like, wow. what just happened?
0: I suppose a so different Jesus.
1: And here comes Tom Brady. And he's in training camp, right? And he flies in in yep. total security, but he's got it because he wanted to be there for Peyton. So, no, would it surprise me at all that those two have talked? Uh, not at all. And I do think that's probably played a role in why you've not seen Tom just jump right back into the broadcast booth and get going.
0: We might need to rank Zeus's at some point. There's only one. Jesus. Is, no, there I mean, there's a lot name. of
1: Jesus. There is. There's like twenty of them just in Major
0: League Baseball sure, right sure, now. Sure. We might have to do that at some point. I don't know. Maybe not. Question number monster three. Monster. <laughs> maybe we just maybe we just won't do that.
1: What did I call that guy? Mozart. <laughs> Freddie no. Mercury. No, uh, I looked up a whole video on the turtle, the turtle song. Oh. Yes. Turtle yeah. lady. <laughs> on El Galapago. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> two great polls this segment well I'm, done on a Friday I got
0: John on El Galapagos <laughs> I'm, I'm here for you hey our buddy D-Mac uh, came on with us yesterday and said Sean Payton's transformed the Denver personnel now to fit around
1: Russ yep what does that mean is Russ gonna bounce back this year is this gonna work Sean Payton's smart enough to know that Russ ain't making the decisions. I'm making the decisions that we are encumbered to him this season. This is a mighty, mighty big season, as DMAC told you, because his contract, it doesn't toll just for one year ahead. It tolls for two years ahead in March. So they will have to make a decision, and it's like a 70-plus million. I mean, it's a enormous decision in that contract. So Sean Payton wants to see if I can put Russ in the very best position for his success. And what was that? It was in Seattle with a heavy run game and heavy play action. The question will be as I look at the numbers, Salt. Here's the numbers. You ready? Yep. In his prime 96, 118, one, 103, 95. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not QB rating, it's a number of rushing yep. attempts. In the last two years, 43. And last year at the end, he finally, the final two games, they forced him to Finally, win. yes. It, with 55 runs but it was on pace to be that same 40. Is he going to run it 70 to 90 times? Is his body capable of doing that off of the deep play action and everything You know that he's, he is best at? One is the deep play action. Two is the deep play action scramble movement playground game that comes off of that concept more than any other. That's what we will all be watching in Seattle. All
0: right. That is today's Blue Eighty Eight. Thanks to the 509 who points out Jesus Jones, Jesus Christ Superstar, oh, Jesus Shuttlesworth. No. Of course, we <laughs> got the Jesus and Mary chain, which I will add in there as well. Another band. So, Are you
1: changing rank today? No. I mean, we've
0: it? got ranked pretty well set. It's a, it's a pretty crazy ranking today. I got, I got but... a
1: texture. <laughs> As opposed
0: to a different genius or a different Jesus. Yeah. Gold. <laughs> that was a really great comment I saw. Well, I mean, you said of Nazareth. I wasn't sure if, you oh, know, right. maybe right. you meant Shullsworth. I don't
1: oh, know okay. Jesus yeah. you're talking about. I mean, you know. Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> okay, I've, I've been, I, I had I kind of a faux hot take earlier in the week. I think I've got a decent one and it comes around a, a Daniel Kramer's. Okay. Spot yesterday and right. afternoon. Brock's show. got a
0: hot take. Plus, I think I might need to dig into um your Russ question because it's 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 got me well, maybe we'll do that with G at 830. I'll tell you what. We'll do that yeah, with G at 830 because we need some time. All right, another tepid take from Brock coming up next. Brock and Salt, Seattle <laughs> yes, Sports right. on 710, Seattle